Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Smell Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boateng. This week, please join me in listening to an episode with Dr. Zach Sahi Hayat, a congenital anosmic due to Kalman syndrome, who's currently living in Herlisa, Israel. We talk about what it was like for him growing up without a sense of smell, his current work as a professor, and much more. Our interview was recorded in early October 2020. Let's listen to the interview. Hi, Zach. Welcome to the Smell Podcast. How are you doing today? Fine. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. So to get started, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from and where do you currently live? Um, okay, so so I'm originally from Israel and I currently live in Israel. I was born in Jerusalem. I spent a couple of years in Toronto, in Canada. I did my PhD there. And then I came back to Israel. We came back to Israel and I currently live in a small city not far from Tel Aviv. It's called Herzliya. And I'm working as an academic. I, I'm, I'm a PhD and I work at a private college called the Interdisciplinary Center at the Communication School. All right, very cool. So what kind of things do you teach? So I, I teach and I research um, online interpersonal relationship and how our social connections online influence the type of information and attitudes that we have mainly within the political sphere and health-related topics and within different health-related topics. That's interesting. It sounds timely, that's for sure. Yeah, it's always timely, especially now, giving our the, the, the special era that we're in, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So can you share with all of us, what is your anosmia story? Okay, so so I, I listened to, to past episodes in your podcast and, 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 and you had an episode about someone with Kalman syndrome. So I have a Kalman syndrome. Um, and one of the characteristics of Kalman syndrome is, is anosmia. So I was born without the ability to smell. And so it, it's something that's been a part of my, my life ever since I was born. Um, around the age of four, it was diagnosed. And, and ever since then, it was very explicit. So, so my parents and my family knew about it. Uh, but it was it's it's something that I always had. So when I heard past episodes about people that talked about the depression and the challenges of losing the sense of smell, that's not something that I had. I, I was always with that. So it was never something that I, I looked at as 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 a disability. It was part of me. Uh, right. Only recently I started looking at it as as as, as a disability. Or, or to be more accurate, I was starting to understand what are the things that I'm actually missing. Uh, given the fact that I can't smell. Yeah, so that's interesting. So you were four. That's actually quite young for most of the people that I've spoken to who have congenital anosmia. Four years old to figure it out seems very young. Um, so do you remember or did your parents tell you like what was the the moment where they figured out that you didn't have a sense of smell? So uh, we had a conversation about it. It was mainly because I was diagnosed with Kalman syndrome and, and part of the diagnosis was to see if I indeed can't smell because it's usually when you have the other symptoms of Kalman and, and you can't smell, that helps to, to point that out, that that's what mm. you had. So, so that was the reason that we did that. Um, it wasn't more than that. It wasn't anything big. It was part of the diagnosis of the Kalman syndrome. And when you were little and growing up and people were talking to you about things related to smell, what was that like for you? 
so 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 it's interesting because I I, I related to what past uh, interviewers in in your podcast said uh, up until around the age of 18 I, I didn't tell other people that I can't smell it was I, I can't really say why it just was something that was so unusual I didn't know anyone else who who, who couldn't smell so it was just me and I just didn't talk about it. And I remember that when I was about 18, I was talking to my then girlfriend and I, I told her that I have something very personal to tell her. And I told her that I can't smell. And she, she didn't understand what was the big deal. So it, it became much easier to talk about it afterwards. But up until then, I didn't talk about it at all with people outside of my family. And then actually when people were saying things about stuff that they were smelling around them and about food and about, I don't know if something was smelly. I just nodded along. I, I didn't say anything, but I didn't say that I can't smell. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so, so that was it. And, and then after that period, after I reached the age of 18 and I said it for the first time, then it became much, much easier. And now I tell it all the time. So when I met, meet people and it comes up, I usually point that out and it's actually it's it's interesting because it's very interesting to see where the conversation goes from there mm-hmm. and actually I, I find it something that in, in many cases it's it's even something that it's nice to discuss with other people I, I don't find it challenging now but again it's something that changed when I was about 18 up until then I didn't talk about it at all yeah it must have been comforting for you to kind of reveal your big secret to someone and have her say like all right that's fine and you know, like to kind of um, alleviate your fears about being able to tell others. Certainly, certainly, because again, as you know, there are a lot of issues when you you can't smell and when you can talk to other people about it. It's not just the the food that comes up all the time that you can't smell food and that is an issue. It's also with, with experiencing your environment to get a better sense of what is happening around you. It's much nicer when you can talk to other people it's not that I can fully understand what is happening, but it's nice to talk about it. Definitely. So another question that I just, from speaking right now, that pops into my head for you is, have you met anyone else who has anosmia in your life? Yeah. So actually not too long. I, I didn't, make, didn't meet too many people who can't smell. I think that I only met like two or three. Uh, uh, one of my colleagues, she can smell either. And, and, and when we were talking about it, I think that the first thing that we said to each other is that uh, she told me that you also changed the diapers for your kids when they, when they were born and they had diapers because that's something that she did. And I also did because it was something that uh, you also mentioned it in one of your past episodes. It's not an issue. So, so I just do it. The, the challenge is that you don't know that it needs to be changed. So, so right. you need to figure out a way to identify that. But but yeah, so that, that was funny. So we've we've talked about that, and also when I was in Toronto, we also I also talked to someone, and he was also insomnia, but he, he wasn't born that way. So, so that was a very interesting conversation because it helped me understand what it is like to lose the sense of smell. And um, right. so I think those were the only two people that I actually met. I'm on a support group for people who have Kalman syndrome, and they're the all the people there are, can't smell, but but it's not that I know them in person. And actually, that's not the main thing that we discuss there. We usually talk about other things, but all the people there also can't smell. It's, it's so comforting to meet other people who have the same condition as you. Um, I, I just find that to be so helpful. It took me about eight years to meet someone in person who also had it. 
And that moment was just so like comforting. So I don't know how to describe it, but it's just really nice to just know someone else who completely understands what you're going through. Yeah. So very nice. So how do you think that having grown up without a sense of smell impacts your relationship with food and eating? Or do you think it does at all? Certainly. It certainly affects my relationship with food and eating. So so first of all, I'm I'm very sensitive to to the way the food feels or to the to the texture of the food. I, I think that more so than other people. So for instance, when I drink my my black coffee, for instance, it's very important for me that it won't have a, that it would have a certain texture. And when I eat um, pasta, it also needs to be al dente. It needs to be a bit tougher. It needs to be not too soft. Right. And I think that in, in most of the foods that I eat, the texture plays a very important role. But but also, um, I went wine tasting a while ago. And, and, and when I went there, uh, in one of the vineyards, they were talking about the different sentiments or the different smells of the wine. And I said that I, I just can't feel it. And then we had this whole conversation about the experience of how do you experience wine without being able to smell it. So, so that was a huge issue. Um, but, but, but I think that I, I, I became more, or I, I understood the, the extent to which I can't really uh, understand food fully without smelling it. I only understood it when I, when my kids started talking about the issues that they had with, with smell, the smell of the food. So. My, my son is very sensitive. He, he has ADHD and he and, and part of the things that he has is that it's he's very, very sensitive to certain smells and he just mm. can't eat food that has certain smells. So I can just put a small portion of, of yellow cheese on his pasta and then if it's not the right cheese, he just can't smell it. And then initially I, I was a bit mad because I, I didn't fully understand how can it be that big of an issue? Just such a small portion of yellow cheese, and and then other, and then I talked to other people, and they told me, you just if if it, if you're sensitive to it, you just can't eat it. And then through my child, I, I became, I started understanding more fully <laughs> to what extent I don't really understand the, the 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 role that smell plays in in the food experience. Yeah, I'm sure that's baffling to you because you're like, I don't understand what you're talking about or why this matters to you. But to him, he's saying the same thing. He's like, I don't understand how you can't understand how this <laughs> yeah. is so important to me. So that's an interesting dynamic there. And it's kind of cool that he, through him, it helped you kind of understand more about a world that you can't experience. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're unable to perceive it, but it's something that he is. So that's fascinating. Yeah, and and actually through him and through my daughter, um, when I'm I'm making food for them, um, so at a certain age I started asking them, so how how do you what do you think about the food? And I told them, you know, you need to be very open with me because I can't smell, so I need your feedback in order to help me understand what is good and what is not so good about the food because it's something that I I can't sense myself. And two years ago, my son made this. Uh, and this gift for me at school, and it was like all these herbs that you can put in inside tea, and and all the added value and the nutrition facts and the the health aspects of those herbs. And then he also tried to describe 
at the taste and the smell of those herbs in words. So I'll be able to understand it more fully. Aww, <laughs> because that's you know so that nice. I can't smell. Yeah, so that was really nice. And that's something that we constantly talk about. So they can't naturally explain to me what it means what the smell means, but but we talk about it a lot. It, it, it is a big issue here. Not, not an issue, it's something that we talk about. It's something that you're openly discussing. Yeah, that makes Certainly, sense to me. yes. So yeah. you mentioned earlier that you do share, but can you kind of expand on that? So when smell comes up in daily life, do you take the time to explain to everyone that you can't smell? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I was about a year and a half ago, I, I, I got divorced. And and then so I started dating again, mm -hmm. uh, which was an interesting experience. And then when you go on dates, it's 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 a thing that I was initially I was trying to figure out whether it's something that I should bring up initially. Is it a big issue? Is is it not a big issue? When should I talk about it? And then what I found out is that usually during first dates, if we go to a restaurant or if we go to a pub, usually the smells comes up. In, in one way or another. And then I just openly say that I can't smell. And then it's it's a really nice conversation about it. So so over in those instances it happens very in a very natural way. But but even when I go, for instance, I, I go to a support group, for instance, and there in the support group, and initially I told other people that I can't smell and I told them I don't know to what extent it influenced me. I, I just don't know because it's something that I I, I, I don't really know how it works. I, I don't know that whole arena. So I just openly talk about it in almost any situation. I just say it out loud and it's usually, it's, it's very interesting the conversations that comes out after it. Yeah, it is something that a lot of people who are not directly impacted by a smell disorder or a taste disorder, they're not aware. So having conversations with other people, I think, is very interesting for both parties. Kind of you having to explain the same story over and over again and, and these new people who aren't aware just being like surprised or amazed or yeah. whatever emotion it is that they're experiencing. Yeah, and, and I have to say that it, usually during the conversation, the one thing that I really sense is that when you bring it up, people say, well, that's not such a big deal. And then during the conversation, they start realizing, oh, it is a big deal. It's huge. And then mm -hmm. they understand how big of an issue it is not being able to smell. So, right. so, so it's interesting. It's interesting. And I think it helped me understand the, the scope of what it means not being able to smell. I don't know if it's something that, that other people also experience, but I think that up until the age of 20 and 20 something, I, I didn't really understand what I'm missing. And, mm -hmm. and, and through talking to other people and through reading about it, I understood the, the, the importance of smell in, in food, of course, but also in intimacy, in, in relationships, in, in meeting other people. And the, the, the role smell played there, I just had no idea that it played a role in, in, mm -hmm. in, in relationship between people. And then through the conversations, I, I, I started realizing that. Yeah, and I think that's a good point there. I've, I don't remember who I was speaking to, but someone had brought up the fact that um, in regards to safety, I mean, there's the typical ones like not being able to smell if something's burning or something like that. But there's also in regards to like being around other people in safety, you can't use smell as a cue to figure out if someone's drunk or, you know what I mean? So, so something like that is like a missing cue. So if you're around yeah. someone and they're being really weird or aggressive, 
if you had a sense of smell, you might be able to say like, oh, that person has been drinking. For those of us who have anosmia, we might have to just, I mean, guess based on context clues, but that's one that's, that's a huge clue that's missing in those kinds of situations as well. Yeah, but actually even more than that, because I, I read a study that talked about how uh, smell preferences can be a very good predictor of successful romantic relationship. And 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 because I've never smelled, I, I, I don't know what am I missing there. So if it's an important cue and I, I don't have that, uh, it's just something that I'm, I'm puzzled by. Um, mm-hmm. It's just something that I don't know how to interpret, but, but it is something that is out there. I know that certain people can't be around people that smell in a certain way. The, 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 connection, the smell connection uh, is, is very important. So, so that's also something that I'm missing. And it, it's, it's intriguing to know that it is an issue for other people. And mm-hmm. that's something that took me a while to realize that it is an issue. Yeah. So are there any patient support groups for people with smell disorders that you're aware of in Israel? Um, so not really, but I, I, I have to say that I haven't really looked for support groups here in Israel because I'm, I'm online and I'm connected to international support groups. Right. Again, mainly through the Kalman, Kalman syndrome groups. Um, so, so I haven't really looked for those groups in Israel, but I have to say that now in the COVID era, uh, there are a lot of discussions about that that are taking place in Israel mainly around food and around the, the the experience of food without being able to smell. And, and that's something that I, I do read and I do find it very intriguing to, to, to learn about it. But I'm not part of any support group here in Israel. Yeah, that's a new question that I'm starting to ask because I've realized that in the majority of countries around the world, there are not any like dedicated smell and taste disorder groups. For example, like in the UK, you have two. You have Absent and Fifth Sense. Um, amongst others, I'm sure. But like in the United States, for example, there is no dedicated smell and taste disorder association yet. Yeah. So that's actually something that um, I'm working on with a group of people to get started is the first um, smell and taste association in the United States. But so that's a new question for me that I've been wanting to ask is if anyone from other countries is aware, because there aren't very many no, so so I, I again I haven't really looked for any groups, but I did search for people who can't smell in Israel more broadly, and and I, I didn't really find any groups. So so I, I it wasn't really that thorough of a search, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have any group here in Israel. Right? Yeah, it's not common, at least not yet. So yeah. earlier earlier we were talking, and you kind of mentioned it when you were telling me your initial story, but. This next question is really just um, to get your thoughts on it, and there's no right or wrong answer, but can you kind of elaborate? Do you self-identify as having a disability? So, so it's an interesting question. So I don't think of it as a disability. I think of it as a different way of perceiving reality. And one of the things that I'm I'm, I'm constantly thinking about is, how am I compensating for that? How am I compensating for not being able to smell? And actually, up until I've started listening to your podcast, I haven't thought about not being able to smell as a disability. And and even now, I'm not sure if that's something that I, I, I would associate or that I would characterize myself as, but 
I, I certainly look at it as, as, as something that changes the way I look at reality. But I, I haven't really thought about it that thoroughly uh, up until this interview, whether it's a disability or, or just the uh, quotation mark uh, um, affecting the way I look at reality. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting question. I, I enjoy asking it because everyone has very different responses. And again, there's there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just interested in your thought process. So, uh, so I just wanted to say that that I think that the main place where I feel it as as, as a disability is, is the food aspect and the danger aspect. So, so those are two things that, again, because I'm so used to it, I've never really given it as a thought as, as it's a disability. It's just something that I need to cope with. But it is certainly something that I'm 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 dealing with now. So so I, I after I got divorced, I live by myself. So so I need to be able to to deal with knowing which food is spoiled or not, or um, if there is a, a a gas leak or something like that. So, so there are those issues, but I've never looked at them as a disability, just as a challenge that I'm facing. But it might be more accurate to look at it as a disability. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing. So my next question for you is, what do you want people who do not have anosmia to know about what it's like for you having it? I think that it's not just about me not having it. I think it's it's more broadly how the, the importance of smell in, in life, because it's it's not just about me. It's just understanding the, the role that smell plays in almost any aspect in life. And and as a result of that, or I think that when you realize that, it helps you to understand that when someone can't smell, it's not just food. It's not just uh, when there is fire and he can't smell it. it it's, it's, it's more deeper than that. It can potentially affect any aspect of life. So, so I think like with any disability, so, so I'll use the word disability, um, part of the thing is, is being aware that the other person can't do something and then just being aware of it helps the interaction. And in, in my case, I, I find myself reminding people in certain instances that I can't smell so they'll understand why maybe I'm, I'm behaving in, a, in an inappropriate way. So for instance, in Canada, when you come into a house and then you need to take off your shoes, <laughs> Initially, I didn't know if my socks smell. It's not an issue in Israel. In Israel, you don't take off your shoes. So initially, I didn't know that you need to prepare for that. Afterwards, naturally, I, I came with clean socks and I, I was very cautious about that. But mm -hmm. initially, I told people I can't smell, so I apologize if, if, if there is any smell here. It was a bit awkward, but I, I tried to, to bring it up just so people would know because that made me feel a bit more comfortable just letting them know that I can't smell. So if I'm doing something wrong, just know that it's not because I'm not polite or I don't care about how you feel. It's just I, I don't know. So, so, right. so that, that's that's what I mainly want other people to know, that there are a lot of things that I, I, I just don't perceive in the same way. And, 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 and that's something that is important for me to tell other people. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I've had um, interactions at work where, for example, I my food that I prepared for lunch in the microwave, it cooked too long and burned. And so the entire office basically <laughs> smelled like burnt food for the rest of the day and everyone was kind of frustrated. <laughs> um, not anyone more than myself, you know, because to yeah, me, like, 
if someone had said like, hey, your food is burning, I obviously would have turned it off, but I didn't know. And so I didn't stop the food cooking until it was done. And by that point, I guess it made it a lot worse. Um, yeah. So it's just those those situations where you're like, please just help me out a little bit. Like, do you guys don't remember I don't have a sense of smell? Like I've told you before, you know what I mean? Like, it's not anyone's fault, but it is maybe people are being polite and they don't want to tell you like, like, what are you doing? Why are you burning food? You know? Um, so I, I can understand exactly what you're saying with, with that. It's just like, just help us out a little bit. Yeah, so, so it's exactly that. So, so I want to encourage people to tell me uh, because I, I don't see it as something rude or as something that insults me. I just don't know how right. it smells. So, so if they can tell me, and I think that that's the key thing uh, to, to tell people around me. And, and actually most of my friends, certainly close friends, uh, would tell me that uh, something smells or that I need to know something. So when they come into my apartment and they think that I need to open the windows because it's there is a certain smell. And then I, I, I thank them when they tell me that. Uh, right. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it yeah. takes a while to get comfortable enough with others or for them to feel comfortable enough telling you as well. So Certainly. Certainly. So this next question is one that I actually really enjoy asking as well, especially for people who have congenital anosmia. If you could have a sense of smell, would you want one? That's a tough question. That's a tough question because my uh, uh, initial reaction is, of course, I want to smell. I mean, people talks about the fresh smell of the first rain or or babies, the smell of babies. So, so I would and food and and fresh grass. So, so there are a lot of smells that people talk about that I would love to smell. But because I've never smelled, there is something scary there because it might be overwhelming. It's something mm -hmm. so intense, so uh, strong, so powerful that I, I don't know how, how I would adjust to that, how I would react to that. So it's 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 a mixed feeling. Uh, on the one hand, I would love to feel certain things, but because I've never smelled, it's scary. I, I don't know. If it would actually be something that I can do, I, I don't know if I would take it. It's just something that might be too overwhelming. I so, think that's a fair so, response. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I, I think that I would take it, but with a lot of fear. I mean, I, I won't be. I'll need to think. I, I, if if it would be a realistic scenario, I would need to seriously think about it. I I, I would certainly. It won't. It certainly won't be an easy answer for me to give. Right. Someone else I spoke to who has congenital anosmia said that she would like to try it, but be able to turn it <laughs> off. Yeah. So yeah, no, if, no. if that scenario could ever exist where she could give it a try, and then if she decides it's too much, she could just go back to what her normal reality <laughs> for her is, yeah. that, that would be that would be ideal. Yeah, I know because when I see the emotional effect that it has over people, not just emotional, but also almost physical effect that it has over people, and, and I've never tried it, so I can only imagine how it would be how it would be the first time that you smell. It would be so powerful. I, I don't know. So it's a no good option. It's a good option to be able to turn it off. That would be a nice thing to have. Exactly. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with listeners? Not really, not really. I think we went over the main things. I, I think that the, it's something that I've talked about, but I, I think that just being, um, if you run into someone who can't smell, 
uh, just be very aware of the magnitude of that, how many aspects of life are affected by it, and 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 be as understanding as possible, uh, given the challenge that he or she are facing. Um, that's the main thing. Yeah, I agree. So my next question for you, then my final question for you is how can listeners get connected with you on social media? So on, on social media, I'm, I'm mainly active on Facebook, also on Twitter, but not as much, mainly on Facebook. And uh, my, my name is Tzachi Hayat, H-A-Y-A-T, but I also go by Zach, Z-A-C-K Hayat on Facebook. And if anybody wants to chat there, talk about anything, if there are any other Israelis listening, I would love to talk to you. And so, so that's where I'm mainly uh, active. Excellent. And I'll get your um, Facebook profile and your Twitter handle. I'll make sure that I include those in the episode notes so that people can click on that really easily to get connected with you. Perfect. So thank you so much for coming on. It was really nice to speak with someone who's from Israel. Um, the first person I've met who's from Israel who has anosmia as well. So thank you again for coming and sharing your story with us. My pleasure. And thank you for, very much for the podcast. I really enjoy it. And, and, and great job. I was happy to be here to be interviewed. Thank you. Thank you to Dr. Hayat for coming on the podcast and sharing his anosmia story with all of us. If you'd like to get connected with him, you can find him on Facebook, and I'll include the link to his profile in the episode notes, so make sure to check it out there. If you'd like to get in touch with me, as always, you can email me at thesmellpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at thesmellpodcast and visit online at thesmellpodcast.com. I'm always interested in sharing listener stories. I'm excited to announce that the Smell and Taste Association of North America is being formed. Currently, there are no active patient organizations focused on smell and taste disorders in the United States of America. The aim of the Smell and Taste Association of North America, or STANA, is to become this much-needed resource. STANA's mission is to provide a voice for people with smell and taste disorders through education and public awareness. We advocate for funding for research on smell and taste disorders. We collaborate with individuals living with these disorders, healthcare professionals, and institutions to provide evidence-based education, resources, and networking opportunities. We also partner with organizations around the world who are aligned with our vision to broaden our outreach. STANA's website is online at www.thestana.org, and our fundraising website is also available from there. It's a GoFundMe. We are raising funds to pay for the startup costs of becoming an established 501c3 organization. If you are able to donate to help us get started, that would be much appreciated. If you are unable to donate at this time, please consider sharing the fundraising page with your networks so we can raise the funds needed to get established. For any questions about STANA or if you'd like to get involved, please visit www.thestana.org or email us at info at I'm super excited for this. Okay, back to podcast business. Um, please do rate, review, and subscribe to the Smell Podcast if you listen using iTunes. Reviews are helpful because they allow others to find the podcast. And finally, if you would like to financially support the show, you can do so by clicking on the link in the episode description. 
I appreciate your support. And as always, a big shout out to everyone who currently contributes to the show because your generosity is what makes the podcast possible. Until next time, have a great day and stay healthy and safe.